I know. Don't yeah. think about it. <laughs> uh, some of this will be able to go through pretty quickly because it's not yeah. as important. <clears throat> so, uh, Eva is gloating at the idea of this uh, or one dying. Um, even if it means that she will die or that she could be tortured um, because she she sees uh she interprets it that there will be, will be freedom for her in death like yeah sure i'll be dead but i'll be free of your control mm-hmm. um <clears throat> but so visser one begins to tell her story and we start at a data analysis center space station um where idris is a data analyst um, who is combing through all of the myriad data from the hork and taxon homeworlds in order to potentially find uh what is called a class five subject race um she describes herself as young at this point in her life she's already a subvisor um, and recognizing this particular job as the dead end that it is for her career. Um, and, uh, basically we go through like how the, the taxons are very flawed hosts for obvious reasons. The Andalites, they just can't face at this point. Um, the hork in particular would have been perfect, except that uh, the Andalites released their quantum virus, and instead of uh, having millions of hork they have thousands of hork uh, And her task, like I said, is to sort through data to find a Class 5 species. She's also training incoming recruits. Um, we see her at one of these training sessions and she goes through the different classes of hosts class one those physically fit for in- physically unfit for infestation the script not being a good example because of their need to phase uh from gray to cockroach thing or cockroach thing to gray actually um class two those who can be infested but that suffer from serious physical drawbacks such as the taxons and the geds Class 3, those that can be infested, suffer from no physical debility and exist only in small numbers and cannot be quickly bred. Pen in that for just a moment. Uh, Class 4, those that would be excellent targets for infestation, but that are, for now at least, too formidable to challenge, i.e. the Andalites. And Class 5, being aliens who are right for infestation, exist in large numbers and do not have the power to resist us. Back just a moment to the hork Uh. Huh. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so, here's the thing. Uh. I've, I've been dancing around this for as long as I've been talking about Animorphs and Dumb Kids, really. Uh. But. Like, here's the thing. Their hosts are slaves. And they need more. And we have proof that new hosts come about by hosts being pregnant. Uh, we know for a fact that Jerahami was born in captivity. Uh, because Ciro, Aldrea's daughter, was uh, captured. Or not daughter. Uh, Aldrea's son was captured. Um, which means that Jerahami, who is Ciro's son, uh, or grandson, one of the two, um, was born in captivity. Uh, it's possible that Toby was conceived in captivity, and that that's why they, they, depending on how you interpret the, the events of book 13, either Jera and Ket, uh, 
felt the need to leave because Ket got pregnant, or they decided after they got free that it would be a good place to have a child. Mm-hmm. So, here's the thing. Uh, there are two ways that this can happen. Either uh, the Yerks are raping their hosts by essentially being present in their heads and making them have sex. Or uh, it's just something that happens on the side when they're not infested. Um, And in that way is uh, uh, beneficial to the Yerks. Uh... It is implied later in this book, we get a small hint uh, that the Yerks find it uh, at the very least looked down upon, probably more along the lines of they're disgusted by the idea of causing host bodies to reproduce. So, probably, it's the second option. Which is slightly better, I guess, but overall is bad. It feels bad. Very unpleasant. It makes my skin crawl. I hate that I have to think about it, but it's also like the reality of slavery, I guess, is you have people who are born into slavery or born into being enslaved and like children therefore who grow up in that way and it's just it's bad it's very bad and i definitely understand why they didn't go into it in more detail because it's bad uh <laughs> but uh also i i i don't know like it feels like they they Dodge it? Mm-hmm. Maybe? Uh, and again, it's kind of obvious why they would do that in a children's novel. But it... Uh, it feels a little bit like dodging it. And not... Like, we're just not going to pay attention to that, folks. Uh, don't look at the grossness behind the curtain. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, mm, I don't... I don't... Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Someone else talk, please. <laughs> uh, yeah, nope. You are 500% correct. And, like, the way they get around it with um, Allison and um, Heldy is Idris and Assam. So, yep. yeah. Nope, yep. you are you are 500% correct. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there is the, I suppose, the strong insinuation that um, Toby's like the first of a generation to be mm-hmm. born, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the time frame, and this is not me about to say, so this isn't bad. I am fully with, the, this is horrifying. Uh, however you slice it, it ain't great, Chief. But we, as with Jara being born in captivity, Mm-hmm. as well like we know at least one generation has to have been born mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. the hope john it's bad it is it's incredibly horrific and i suppose i don't want to say i feel grateful that there is that insinuation that yerks find the notion of now nah, i don't want to do that that mm-hmm. feels gross mm-hmm. and whether mm-hmm. it's a uh, because the notion of reproducing that way it's just gross to them because uh, it's offhandedly mentioned how yerks reproduce. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I guess I am grateful for that. Like, they go, like, well, we need more hosts. Well, we can make some the old fashioned way. <laughs> gross. I know. Believe me, mm-hmm. I don't like that I just said that. It's just, it's there. Just because mm-hmm, it's not mm-hmm. said, that yep. doesn't mean it's not there. Yep. The Yerk invasion on Earth has not been there very long in the grand scheme of things. A few years, yeah. 
But I mean, how many children have been born? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, I don't know how much of a thing uh, is America. There was a big uh, push not that long ago here in the UK. This big thing came out, whereas uh, undercover police officers had infiltrated like protest groups and things like that in the sixties. Mm-hmm. Married women got them pregnant while undercover and then leaving later wow but spending years lying about who they are to infiltrate groups and these men have not been prosecuted to be clear Mm -hmm. for that Mm -hmm. it's just a known thing (laughs) that Mm -hmm. has happened in case you know we needed more evidence to go on the all cops are bastards pinboard Mm -hmm. Yep, and it's a very commonly known thing in the States that, mm-hmm. like, police officers will take advantage of sex workers in addition to, like, abusing their legal spouses and children. So, mm-hmm. like, yeah. 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 The, the notion to me, I suppose the one, and I say this term saving grace very loosely. Mm-hmm is people like hosts, be they Hawkbajir, be they human, taking solace in each other yeah. while in a shitty situation. Mm-hmm. And the yeah. Yerks effectively turning a blind eye because, hey, we'll get something useful out of it eventually. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but the part of me that's like, yes, love thrives even under the most dire of circumstances. People can find each other and have something mm-hmm. that gives their life additional meaning. And this is not me, Jade, saying that you need love, like you need romantic love or sexual relations to have a meaningful life. That's not what I'm trying to say. And I hope it isn't coming across that way. No. But it being presented as, people in these books have found this mm-hmm. we even see like in this book the effect that effectively being in love and even just like finding a connection mm-hmm. with someone mm-hmm. changes edges even if it doesn't stick in the long run it certainly changes the sum mm-hmm. like for all that we find out like oh he was very bad at being a subvisor anyway Mm-hmm. like <laughs> clearly the implication like too soft not yeah th- isn't like isn't enough in the yerk mindset but this is somebody who is like, yeah no fuck the empire i'm done yeah esam is definitely mm-hmm. someone who would be in the yerk peace movement if it existed yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um um it and that just and i feel like that speaks to some of the greater themes in the books which is mm-hmm. about people needing each other to get through this Mm -hmm. whether that's um names have just fled through my head but like ciro's daughter falling Mm -hmm. in love with a hawk and aldrea and dak aldrea Mm -hmm. and dak or cassie and jake or tobias and rachel like throughout the book uh lauren and alfangor people's connections be they familial like looking at Axe and Tobias as well, like mm-hmm. we get through things together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like this is part of why Pacific Rim is my favorite movie or one of my favorite <laughs> movies and one of the best films ever to be created. Fight me. But our strength comes from the connections we can make. Mm-hmm. Yep. And like that's part of what makes humans so dangerous in these books is our ability to cooperate mm-hmm. oh yeah like for all like there's a good there's some good chat about space orcs in this in this mm-hmm. in notes <laughs> for some of the ways that humans are described mm-hmm. but i love how it's been proven time and time again that people like to paint humanity as being very brutal and every man out for himself and there are always going to be individuals like that but the fact that we're increasingly finding like human remains that indicate like yeah this person had a severe uh, injury that would have hampered their mobility but they lived to an old age mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they were looked after by their community mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
people are good, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, it's yeah. a choice you make, but people can do amazing, wonderful things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will mm-hmm. never not be touched by the things humanity is able to do for each other and with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, what an excellent way to turn that from incredibly depressing to slightly hopeful. You're welcome. Oh, I quick, quick aside, before we get further in, I will say reading this book, uh, this is a dumb kids aside. Apologies for our mm-hmm. listeners that don't listen to dumb kids. I feel very good about my portrayal of Vissa One. Okay, thanks. <laughs> like at one point, she actually makes an argument that I had made in character while pretending to be Vissa One. And I'm there just like, yes. <laughs> I feel very good about this. <laughs> <So>. <clears throat> it's very good. Uh, there's also a throwaway line in here that is completely ignored by the rest of the book um, that I do like. Uh, Hork Bajir, uh, where is it? Mm. Um, yeah, I know the Hork Bajir are the best communicators, of course, despite their brain's innate quirk of confusing various languages. Uh, this is in reference to the fact that, like, taxons and ged can't talk good because of the way that their mouths are. Um, mm-hmm. And so, like, hork can speak the best. Um, but I love this this detail of despite their brain's innate quirk of confusing, confusing various languages. Like, that is fascinating. I love that as an explanation as to why they tend to talk simply um, mm-hmm. is just like, a- again, back to the, do you know how smart I am in Spanish? Uh, mm-hmm. <clears throat> of like, they, they know multiple languages uh, and language hard, language so hard. Language yeah, like, very hard. You talk to like people that are bilingual, trilingual, full on polyglots, especially people like maybe you grew up in bilingual homes mm-hmm. as well. Like and talking about the way you can't remember a word in any of the languages that you speak. <laughs> and like people who share a second language but not a first mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being able to communicate. And yeah, no, I t- like Frustratingly, we get plenty of just like, oh, well, the hawk bajir aren't as intelligent later in the book. But yeah. like, the fact that they can process all of these languages just because they can't or because they confuse them when it comes to speaking them, like, there's something that's truly just amazing there. Languages, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah, and that's not <clears throat> nothing. Languages are so hard. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, uh, when I was in college, uh, so I took French in high school and Japanese in college. And in college, I met someone who also knew French and Japanese. Mm-hmm. And uh, we were both in the Japanese program. And he's like, let's practice our French. And we started talking to each other in French. And because college language classes are more comprehensive and better for actually communicating than high school language classes. I didn't have uh, as much actual communication ability in French. So we're in the middle of the conversation and I switched to Japanese and did not recognize I did it until he told me. And when we started back up again, I did it a second time. And these are two languages that I'm not even fucking fluent in. (laughs) So... And those are two completely dip, like, cause obviously like French and Italian and the romance languages have got those sort of similarities that you can quite readily see. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you compare it to say sort of like Japanese and Korean, that it's a very different structural language and like l- looking at them written down, you can even see like, oh, those are from very different parts of the world. And it's so cool to hear like it was so almost like second nature for you to just like move into that other language that mm-hmm, human mm-hmm. brains are cool y'all. brains are cool as a uh, it's just gonna find out in a bit mm-hmm. yeah in oh, a truly uh, awesome chapter mm-hmm. yeah uh before we get to that i do just want to take a moment to talk about 
Idris as a fucking teacher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a methodology right there. I'm mm-hmm. so mad because like Idris gets a class, uh, uh, a class full of people, and I'm just gonna read this bit because mm-hmm. I'm so angry. Uh, there are five classes of aliens, I said, eyeing the dozen Geds, hork and Taxons lined up before me. Who can name the five? Several started to answer, but I held up my hand, indicating they should remain silent. I should say, who can name them if I mention that the mangling of a single word or the misstatement of a single fact will result in your being fed to Taxons? This was my little joke, of course. It is nearly impossible to get a coherent sentence out of a ged mouth, and flatly impossible with a taxon who can, at best, hiss and sputter in its own language. Uh, there's an aside, meaning no disrespect to the council members who hold taxon hosts. Uh, and this is where we get the bit, pork are the best communicators, of course, despite their brains and eight quirks of confusing various languages. No one laughed at my joke. Good. They were beginning to understand. I was the boss. They were mine to dispose of as I saw fit. And I just hate Idris Mm -hmm. so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I do appreciate off the bat, just like even a younger version, even before all of this, this was like a stone cold. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. This is a very, an extremely yerk way to handle things. Um, mm-hmm. And it says something about their management style. Uh, it's bad. They're very bad at it. Uh, she does, uh, one of the, um, Yurks who's in a ged <clears throat> basically is like, yeah, but I don't think class five species even exist. Um, which has a very R-O-U-S feel to it. Um, <laughs> um, and she, uh, basically slits the throat of this, of this ged and pulls the Yurk out of the Ged's brain um, as as he's trying to leave. Uh, it said instinctually that the that Yurks will attempt to leave a dying host. Um, but well, that can is... We just... mm-hmm. Sorry. I just want to say that is foreshadowing for a thing that happens later. Mm-hmm. Horrifying. Yep. Like, that is some true grade A horror. Yep. But I hadn't really encountered with these books, like, or new flavor, I guess, of the horror. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And just like, I really like it as a detail in the world of why you shouldn't fuck with a yerk that's en route outside somebody's ear. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Frankly. Uh, uh, there's the detail. They say it's very, very difficult to get out of a dead host before death reaches you as well. Um, but she basically, like, uh, pull, pulls the Yerk out the rest of the way from this host's ear and takes him to the Yerk pool. Uh, so I led the way to the pool. I had made my point. Their lives were mine, never mind the new regulations against killing subordinates. If they displeased me, they would die, law or no law. But I was not unreasonable. As I had the power to kill, so I had the power to give life. That's the subtlety so many Yerks miss. Threats are very useful. But for the more subtle and thus complete control over your subordinates, you need the helping hand as well as the killing blade. I had given the same speech, the same demonstration of seriousness a dozen times. I'd never failed to instill a sense of duty in my charges. And, like, as she she notes she was glad that it wasn't a hork host because then she couldn't have afforded to kill it. <laughs> Um, and I do like the, the very not subtle dig at Visser 3's management style. Like, I do imagine so often, like, a couple of times existed, but just, like, Edra's just, like, making eye contact with Uh Visser 3 Uh while just saying this shit. It's just like, yes, good, Mm -hmm, delicious. mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Uh, and then we get the report from a subvisor stationed on the Taxon planet of a new species that he claims is class five. Um, humans. Uh, and that they exist in billions. Not millions. Billions. Um, funnily enough, this report was made by Visser 3. <laughs> back when he was a lowly subvisor in the Andalite Chronicles. Um, <clears throat> and it's interesting to me that Visser 3... Well, I mean, I guess Visser 3 had a lot of things that he needed to deal with, and that by the time he got out of there, he had questionable memories of what happened. Because I'm trying to think of, like, why he wouldn't immediately go for this supposed Class 5 species immediately. I think but because he doesn't think like that. Yeah. He he wants the Andalites. He's he's Andalite obsessed. He's not human obsessed. Um, yeah. And he has an Andalite. Well, he just got an Andalite host body. So like. He doesn't he need a human. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> uh. Anyway, we get we get a very short uh sum summation of what happened during the Andalite Chronicles, um and. Visser 1 uh, implies that <laughs> that Visser 3 befriended Aloran and Elfangor and that's why Elfangor got away and like <laughs> <laughs> it's just like how how do you make that accusation? <laughs> How do you? Well, we know she keeps. She's able to keep a straight face because she can't really move her face. Uh, but like, it's yeah, so. Like, mm, isn't it very suspicious how this known criminal, this great threat to the Yerko, by just happened to get away after mm -hmm, you got a mm -hmm, body? Mm -hmm. Hmm, suspicious mm -hmm. much? Oh, hey, yeah. don't we have a capital offense about contact with Andalites? Hmm, isn't that interesting? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She even, like, points a finger at Visser 3 as she's doing this and describes it as a wonderfully useful and dramatic human gesture. I do love that. Just like, Just like yes, you! Points. Uh-huh. I, you for Felice Attorney, I object. Kind of objection. Yeah, vibe. yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, predictably, Visser 3 rises to the bait. Um, <clears throat> and it's like, the fuck are you talking about? I killed Elfangor myself. I morphed and lifted him up and ate him. <laughs> and she's just like, well, you were eliminating a potential witness. <laughs> and it's like, Visser, <laughs> Esplin, bro, if you just kept your goddamn trap shut, everyone would have just looked at Idris like she was. Fucking insane. Like she was not. But she knows her target. And <laughs> just like, mm, me think the lady doth protest too much. Mm -hmm. Just like, I hated him. He was my enemy. I hated him so much that I ate him. <laughs> <laughs> Possessive much? That's oh, a, good, bro. I don't know. That's that's a very intimate way to kill someone, bro. <laughs> <laughs> huh. I'm not tell, I'm not calling any well. friends out. What are you talking about? Uh, hey, wait a second. What? I'm not, tell me I'm not thinking three. about wait when you ate Elfango, did it remind you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I love NBC's Hannibal. It is, it's good. Uh Right, so the the council is basically like, shut the fuck up, both of you. <laughs> like, you're, <laughs> you're, you're both Just like us in this podcast. We're getting off topic. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, uh, Idris has scored a point here in that, like, she, it's not a very believable lie, but she, it's enough of a lie to plant the barest seed of doubt into people who already have reason to doubt Visser 3. 
So, like, mm-hmm. you know, it's, like I said, she's trying to turn the tables on Visser 3 this entire book, trying to uh, uh, put him under the microscope instead of herself. Um, and this is just one of the ways in which she does that. Um, and it is somewhat successful. Um, but Eva is just like, now who's the fool, Idris? They'll execute you both. You can't be saved, honey. They'll starve you, Idris. And my son will live to dance on both your graves. Like, yes, I love Eva queen. so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <clears throat> I adore her. Um, and we we get the uh, reminder that Idris knows the identity of the Andalite bandits and could could give up that information at any time. But of course, it giving up that information would give Visser three a win, and so she won't. Yeah, <laughs> she'd rather die than do it. <clears throat> yep, she literally um, says that. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, in any event, she, uh, uh, Idris continues her story. Um, she's like, yeah, I received this information, and my assignment was to validate the data. So she spends a year attempting to narrow down the possible locations of Earth. Like, she backtracks where the Skritnos ship came from, like, what sector of space. She starts eliminating star systems one by one based on, like, whether the star systems could support life or not, eliminating those that don't have planets, uh, eliminating those that couldn't support carbon-based life forms, life forms. She narrows it down to three star systems, which is extremely impressive, uh, from, from thousands. Um, and she reports this to her superior. But who's her superior is basically like, oh, yeah, that uh, you're wasting your time because you're going to be transferred to the taxon homeworld and given a taxon body. Uh, which is which is one, a demotion and two, a demotion to a very dangerous kind of assignment uh, because any one, you have to deal with the eternal hunger and two, uh you have to live with the knowledge that any slight injury would be fatal as you're set upon by other taxons and eaten alive. It's essentially an exile. Um, I knew that something was wrong. Someone was working to keep the secret of Earth hidden. My supervisor? Subvisor 17? Yes, of course. But at whose behest? And this is where she, like, she kind of just, like, glances at Visser 3 and sees a couple of the council members also look at Visser 3 <laughs> because again she planted that seed of doubt um but but <laughs> eventually of course i found out later that Visser 3 had nothing to do with the orders they were merely stupidity not conspiracy <laughs> it's just like wow mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so she has a choice she can either follow her orders, consign herself to her assignment on the Taxon homeworld, and abandon the Class 5 species that she knows in her heart to exist, or she can steal a ship and go find the Class 5 species. Uh, of course, she does the latter. Um, she enlists a subordinate named SM-293, uh, and steals a, a scout ship and goes off in search of Earth. And Visser Three's like, ah, you see, she admits it. She stole a ship. And the council's like, look, the, we already, we've known this forever, bro. Like, <laughs> we, yeah. we, we, we've been now. Um, yeah, we already pardoned that one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, like, how the fuck would they not know that? Exactly. Um, and Garoff is like, uh, so Visser One, you previously recorded the incidents involved in this part of your story in a memory dump. This is where we get the detail about how Visser Three is just like, yes, a memory dump. We should get one right now. 
uh, because that's the best way to make sure that they're telling you the truth. Um, which is, as we find out later, true. Uh, but the council's like, yeah, we don't require that of Vissers for reasons. And Idris is like, yeah, I'll make a complete memory dump available as soon as you do, Visser 3. <laughs> and I definitely <laughs> imagine her, like, batting her eyelashes at him. <laughs> uh, which is, of course, a bluff because neither of them can afford a full memory dump because, like, <laughs> uh, that, that, Neither of us could afford a total memory dump. There are more than a hundred death penalty or exile offenses. In the course of acting as a loyal Yerk Visser, I had probably violated a third of them. And of course, Visser 3 had violated still more, beginning with summary execution of subordinates. Visser 3 had slaughtered subordinates by the pool full. Uh, and of course, no Yerk had risen to the council without breaking the very laws they promulgated. Uh, Visser 3 folds <laughs> he's just like yeah okay never mind um and they instead access one of the previously stored memory transfers from idris of her initial discovery of earth um and where am i in the stock here um so we we catch up with Idris um, and Essam uh, as they are running extremely dangerously low on supplies. Uh, they only have water for three days and an, only enough food for seven. Um, and he's like, "If but if one of us leaves their host and returns to the mini pool, the other host body can survive for twice that time. Uh, and... Visser one was like, well, if it's, if this one is the right star system, then it won't matter. Uh, and Essam's like, yeah, okay. Don't worry so much, Essam. If we have to kill your host, we'll soon find you a replacement. But like, Essam, Essam knows that Idris will just kill him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because more supplies for her. Yeah. Um, we also get the detail that Essam is, like, he's not a fool, but he also, essentially, in Idris's words, doesn't have a backbone. He knew better than to challenge me openly. I had chosen him carefully. He was a yerk of narrow expertise, a pilot and technician. He had at one point risen to the rank of subvisor, but he had suffered demotion for an incident of poor judgment. While on patrol, he had allowed a handful of hork to escape aboard a neutral Despedine ship. A Yerk who failed to understand that diplomatic niceties like neutrality were nonsense was unfit for command. I had sensed this peculiar weakness in Essam, this confusion of purpose, this lack of serious ambition. That made him perfect for my purposes. I needed a competent servant, not a competitor. Of course, these are all the things that make Essam, like, able to become a decent person. Mm -hmm. But, you know. Yurk Empire. Yep. Um, and they come out from zero space near the sun. Soul. Our sun. Uh, do a scan of the planets, quickly determine that the ones most likely to uh, be hospitable to life are the third and fourth planets. When they look at the fourth planet, it's just red and rocky and barren, but when they look at the third planet, it's blue. Uh, and Idris knows in her heart that that's it. Um, and when they turn their sensors, sensors towards the blue planet, uh, they find it spewing forth all kinds of information. Radio band signals, x-ray signals, microwave signals, in a profusion that simply overwhelmed the computers. The ship's sensors were intercepting trillions of bits per second. 
the blue planet was alive. Uh, and y'all, this was during the 90s. Uh-huh. That's 30 years ago. Uh-huh. Like, we don't think about, like, the 90s being a time of technology and all of that. But, like, because, like, it's less technology than we have now. But, like, it super was. Mm-hmm. And it's just, I cannot um. I, it almost feels like if Idris had run into Earth of 2020, Idris would have gone, oh, no, this is actually a planet that might, you know, be able mm-hmm. to stand against us and might have classed us class four. But, like, shit. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it, we, the internet wasn't at its high point yet, but TV certainly was. Mm-hmm. Um, and TV just goes everywhere. We're, we're blasting all kinds of TV at, it's traveling to the far reaches of the galaxy at this point. Um, and uh, Idris is, of course, overwhelmed by this fire hose of data. Doesn't know even where to start with it. Um, at that moment, watching the raw data totals, the unimaginable trillions of bits per trillions of bits of electronic data swamping our computer, I was worried. How could any species generate this much data and not be formidable? Well, you see, we like to hear ourselves talk. <laughs> I literally listen to every podcast I'm in because I love the sound of my own voice. I'm not even joking, listeners. Yeah. I say as we've been here for two hours. Um, and it, she doesn't understand why, why there's this much information. It was bewildering, absurd, insane. Too much, far, far too much. Why would there be a need for communications this frequent? The only necessary communications are orders from above, progress reports from below, and basic logistical matters. The entire Yurk Empire did not generate a thousandth of this data. And it's like, well, that makes sense, right? Because there are only millions of Yurks. They've said that they needed millions of hosts. So the number of Yurks that there are can only number in the millions. And Earth has billions of people. Granted, not every single one of those people is constantly transmitting into space, but a billion is a thousand millions. Yeah. So it makes also- sense. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, you finish first. Uh, it makes sense that the Yurk Empire doesn't generate a thousandth of that data because they are about a thousandth of the population. Yeah. But also, like, she's saying the only necessary communications are orders from above, progress reports from below, and basic logistical matters. Mm -hmm. Like, looks across the internet at the two of you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah, there is. What I was saying is that it says something very sad about the Yurk Empire and, like, their communication amongst one another, that there is no communication for pleasure, there is no entertainment, uh, like, they, they don't socialize in any meaningful way, at least not with technology. And uh, it's just uh, very sad and depressing, and like it, it paints a fucking picture. Mm-hmm. It really does. Like to continue on with that point, Dirk. Like a species that did not really experience the same sort of sensory input. It makes sense that they don't have that kind of. Um, way of communicating because they've never had to develop it before 
And then as they've become parasitic, living in hosts, um, just talk about that point. My point is the Yerk Empire is all about enforcing separation between Yerks. Yeah. They don't want them together in the Yerk pool. Like the few times we've seen it, people are happy. Yerks are happy. If they're well fed and just getting to be with their fellow Yerks in a pool, they're happy. Mm -hmm. Part of the way the Yerk Empire controls the Yerks is by keeping them separate. And there's, we could easily go off on another tangent about unions and things like mm -hmm. that. <laughs> but it is a tool of control, is keeping yes. communication minimal. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. Because you can keep tabs on what your subordinates are saying if they're only allowed to message you. Mm -hmm. It's it's just one more tool of control the Yerks have. Keep your people hungry and don't let them talk to each other more than they absolutely have to. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, I think all of that is true. And also, I think that Yerk society is not nearly as spread out as human society mm. is. Yeah. Like, yeah. we exist all over our planet, whereas they exist almost exclusively within their own pool, where you mm -hmm. can literally just go and talk to anyone that you need to talk to. Um, yeah. Whereas that's not, that's not really possible for most of humanity. <laughs> um, like, we, we... Tragically. Yeah. Like, there's something to be said with you don't necessarily need to be able to communicate across the planet but by nature our cultures are much more spread out mm -hmm. one because we're just larger and are predators instead of parasites um mm -hmm. but uh i think i think yeah. part of it it may have at least the the idea of it may have started with like you don't you don't necessarily need to be able to have those kinds of communications. Like I can just go talk to them. Yeah, there is. It's part of why I am like, as a person, like even I think if this was happening, like in this event in the book was like three or four years later. Mm -hmm. Like when you think about like the beginning of like aim and, and all those instant messenger things, like people, I've had friends in other countries, like online friends. Well, I was also very shy and awkward, but like regularly communicating with people in other time zones from about the age of 2021 20, when I was sort of really got fully online, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. was 2007. Yeah. I... I cannot conceive anymore. When people like of an older generation like judge, like, oh, you kids would be so lost without you. And like, fuck off. I'm a millennial. I'm in my late thirties. Eat shit. But mm -hmm. my point is like, my, there's like, oh, well, just get offline for it. She's like, no, you don't understand. My friends live in there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've been on like, the internet since I was like 12. Same. My mom yeah. was an engineer. And so mm. like, we had a computer and like, you know, we had like, uh, measured times because I had a brother and obviously my parents had to use it and it shared the phone mm -hmm. line yada yada but yeah yeah I think I got my first MSN account or AIM account when I was in six form so I was like 17 18 mm -hmm. I think I'm those that couple of years older but mm -hmm. it's just so much mm -hmm. and I don't like we are currently in three different time zones recording this like <laughs> you guys are in different times i'd like the distance between you two and then how much far further away i am mm -hmm. from mm -hmm. fairview like one of my partners lives literally we did this like five thousand and twelve miles away as the crow mm -hmm. flies mm -hmm. and we live in an age where that's possible Mm -hmm. Like, I know so many people mm -hmm. that met their partners online and mm -hmm. through fandom and things like that. And we are so mm -hmm. interwoven and connected because a lot of humanity is sort of thrives on that communication. Mm -hmm. Even like mm -hmm. my most introverted friends still have people online that they talk to. Mm -hmm. 
and like they have connections. Yeah. Humans it, are good. Humans are good. It reminds me of uh the something I read forever ago about like how people make friends. And it's like you need to have at least two of the following, like uh a shared interest or a shared um like uh life milestone kind of thing like you're both parents or uh shared time like you spend a lot of you physically spend a lot of time with each other or a similar location where you're you're it's proximity you're you're very physically close to one another in space and it's like the internet makes that last one go away kind of in some respects not all the time um because there are definitely friends that i have moved away from and have not used the internet in order to keep tabs with but part of that is because i met them in real life first mm. and so when i lost that physical proximity i didn't then transfer it to internet proximity um whereas I have friends who, like, my relationships with them are actually stronger because of the internet. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, I have a friend, Sammy, who I met through, like, my best buddy, Lau. Mm -hmm. And, like, uh, she does, like, shipping. So she's always working on the weekends. And that's the only time I can ever visit, especially, like, for holidays. So... I have physically seen this woman, like, three hours over two and a half years. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I made an effort to connect with her, like, on Discord. So, mm -hmm. like, I know what she's doing with her life. And I can mm -hmm. show her pictures of my new haircut. And we can, like, try to make plans to hang out at a point in time when she is actually capable of spending time. Mm -hmm. And that's another thing that the internet does for you. Yeah. Like my very good friend, Jen, who has been on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, we were in the same sorority in college uh, and then college ended and she spends a lot of time in other countries because she is wonderful and can speak many languages and is able to get out of this country and hates this country, which is fair, smart. Um, but, uh, that's the reason I play. Wow. Is because I get to connect with her like that. That is the sum total of the reason why I play. Wow. Yes. I have fun doing it now, but like, that's it. Uh, Jen, I love you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah. Humans good. Internet good. Mm -hmm. The, the myriad ways in which humans connect with each other. Good. Mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. But I love the snatch of conversation that Idris, to pull us back in a little bit, that Idris picks up. <laughs> it's just like, hey, sup? Nothing, man. Yeah, same here. So what did he say? He was all like, no problem. And I was like, a uh, reality check? Okay. No way. <laughs> One, this is very painfully 90s. <laughs> Two, <laughs> I love... I... I love humans and I love that we are sending shit like that into space all the time. <laughs> you know? Like. I also yeah, it's and part of that. I love how alien that sounds. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. If you don't know, but it's also like um, I remember this post in the round ton ages ago, which was it was describing it was like tags for AO3 or something like that. I was like, if you don't know what this language means, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. not going to mean 
anything to you. Yep. It's mm-hmm. just going to look like a collection of words. Mm-hmm. Like and A slash B slash O space A U comma H forward slash C 71K. Uh-huh. Like, to somebody not in fan fiction, that would mean nothing. You two it, it know was- what I just said. <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like a secret code. I, I Wait, what was the H slash something? H4 slash C. Oh, yeah. Wait, did you just describe your own goddamn fic? No, Our fic does not first... include ABO. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting that off right there. <laughs> I heard 71K and my brain was like, That's true. wait a second. <laughs> Our fic is 75K. <laughs> it is. Oh, uh, yeah, and like no, I saw We are so of- far off topic. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes, we are. Oh, oops. <laughs> and this is like, I'm not saying that I am not at fault here, but it is now half past three. We have two and a half hours left of recording time, and we have not finished chapter three of this book. Uh, correct. Uh, we may have to split this into more than one recording. <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, there is a bit here where they uh, Idris can't distinguish between fiction television and non-fiction television, which is interesting, um, and is therefore concerned at the use of, like, phasers and faster-than-light travel in Star Trek. <laughs> She's like, mm-hmm. that's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> And, like, the camera is watching this, uh, uh, vessel yeah. travel. Like, the camera is also traveling that fast. Which, mm-hmm. listeners, that entire, like, conversation has lived rent-free in my head for, I shit you not, literal decades. Uh, <laughs> and I never could remember where the fuck I got it from. (laughs) (laughs) I just knew that it was a thing that was true about, like, aliens interacting with fiction. Mm -hmm. And here is where I got it from. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. Uh, So Idris is like, all right, I can't fucking tell anything using this data uh so we're just gonna land sm make us land take take us down i'm gonna infest a human and find out that way and sm's like i don't think that's a great idea and she's like shut up and do it and so he does uh they land in the middle east uh smack dab in the middle of the first gulf war operation desert storm uh the night side of the planet in an arid uninhabitable area ha jokes on you um, and, uh, basically they're like, all right, we just need to find a human to, to get us started. Um, they witness a battle between, uh, two factions of humans. Hate that. Thanks. <laughs> um, that it was uh, cursed. It is cursed. Jade says in the chat, Essam is a simp. Um, oh. Look, the, the boss lady is telling him what to do and he's doing it real fast. <laughs> uh, oh. And so they witness this battle happen. Um, and Idris notices that one side of the battle seems much better prepared and outfitted than the other side of the battle. Uh, the winning side has uh quieter better tanks um can apparently see through the night can see their enemy whereas the uh defenders can't and have less good equipment um and she watches this and she's like all right uh that was kind of scary because uh, they were dropping bombs on this area and we nearly got blown to pieces. However, we did learn 
that if we want to take Earth, we should start with the winners, because they're the strong ones. <sighs> Which just speaks to the way Yerks look at shit. Uh, but they get their ship flying after it was temporarily disabled, um, and, uh, find a human who is just kind of like walking through this desert, probably, uh, one of the survivors of the previous battle. They, he sees them coming and like tries to flag them down because he's a human alone in a desert. Um, but as soon as they step out in their Hork-Bajir bodies, he's like, oh, no, that's not what I wanted at all, and mm-hmm. tries to run, but the Hork-Bajir quickly catch him. Um, and then in there, uh, Idris uh, infests this human. Um, she tells Essam, like, hold his head, and she just presses the Hork-Bajir's ear up to the human's ear. And transfers herself that way. This is definitely a risk for her. Um, why they couldn't take the like additional five minutes it would take to tie up the hork properly and then infest the human, I do not know. They end up taking and killing the human anyway. Why couldn't they have done this on the ship? Really, it's, she was impatient and like running on the high of it. Mm-hmm. Um. But she's like, yeah, don't worry about the hork Like, he'll run, but where's he gonna run to? Like, we'll catch him. Um, but this is vulnerable for her because, like, the hork host could stop her. She'll be vulnerable for some tense seconds uh, in the middle of this transfer, right? Between when she has control and is fully inside of the human host and when she has disengaged from her old host. So, like, the old host could harm her. Essam himself could harm her. Um, but neither of that happens. She gets inside the human, and we get a description of her first uh, experience of the human brain. Um, she describes it as an indescribable sensation, as giddy with excitement, uh, trepidation, anticipation, almost a feeling of shyness of being an intruder in a place where I was not allowed. Yeah, what a weird feeling to have. Huh. Uh, <laughs> slash sarcasm. Uh, <laughs> um, and she talks about how, like, by the time she infested her first Ged and her first hork there was already a lot of information about, like, how to control those kinds of hosts, um, what to expect, uh, the different, like, abilities and stuff like that. But this was all entirely new. No one could tell me what I would find inside this new unexplored territory, the human brain, uh, to... Her knowledge, nobody had infested a human before. We, the readers, know that this is false because we know that Lauren and Chapman were both briefly infested in the Andalite Chronicles. Uh, but Idris doesn't know that. One, just a, uh, the point of comparison that's just occurred to me, the way uh, it just describes this and like how there's no procedure for this, it's a new acquiring of a host reminds me a lot of when the kids do a morph for the first time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and just like Ooh. feeling it out and just like what it's like to control the instincts and stuff like mm-hmm. i feel like that's clearly a very purposeful point yeah. of comparison and i like it yeah it's it's being able to see through something else's eyes and either not using that to alter your worldview or using it to alter your worldview. Right. Mm. So the, the quote unquote bad yerks are taught specifically to treat this as their right and 
to use it as eyes to see through, but not a perspective to see through. Uh, whereas, like, the Yurks that we've seen who have joined the peace movement and the Animorphs, whenever they morph a new animal, they incorporate those things. They incorporate their bodies' experiences into their worldviews. Yeah, that's an excellent comparison. <laughs> <laughs>